Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right, you're listening to Money FM 89.3 and it's now time for Market View where we take a look at how the Singapore stock market is likely to close for the day, the biggest movers, sectors and companies to watch. But as always, a quick recap of how we started. Well, Singapore shares started the day on a softer note, mirroring overnight losses on Wall Street. In early trade, the Straits Times Index headed down 0.6% to 3,070 points after some 36 million securities changed hands in the broader market. The numbers on the SGX are still firming up, but here's what I have on my screen. The Straits Times Index down 0.44% at 3,073 points. In terms of value turnover, that's $1.02 billion. Gainers trailed losers 277 versus 308. Top five movers by value we have here DBS, OCBC, UOB, Gunting Singapore and Singta. And heavily traded securities included Mactech International, Citrim and Gunting Singapore. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we do have Menu Live US REIT after Investor Watchdog Securities Investors Association Singapore, or CIAS, questioned Menu Live US REIT's fundraising proposal of a mix of asset dispositions and a sponsor lender loan. Now, elsewhere from ComfortDelGro raising taxi fares to more on concerns over the 1.6 trillion US dollar private credit market, we've got more corporate and international headlines for you today. And joining me on the line is David Chow, Director of Azure Capital. David, welcome. Hi, Tian Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you too. And let's start with the usuals, right? How did the STI fare so far today? Any surprises when it comes to the biggest movers as well as Capital, saying that it will tie up with uh, what Abu Dhabi Future Energy Company to develop sustainability solutions? Right. Um, I think, uh, you know, even as we speak, the European markets have opened 0.5% lower. And if you look at the price action of the Asia Pacific markets before them, uh, it really slumped across the board, mirroring move from Wall Street. So it's not a surprise that, you know, SDI joined its peers as well by, you know, one plus percent today in the first part of the trading session before crawling back, you know, some of the losses in the afternoon to end with a 0.4 percent fall. So, uh, you know, with price falling by one plus percent earlier in the trading day, it's hard for, you know, the index constituents to rally unless it's a very specific top price positive catalyst. Looking at the closing price of uh, capital today, I guess uh, you can say, you know, the tie up with Abu Dhabi future is something which is good to have. But not exactly a game changer or you know or something which will actually cause a spike in the share price to cause a spike in the share price rally today, especially when the accompanying media disclosure on this tie up from Pepper, you know, didn't mention any potential, you know, contract value for now. So I guess um, what could be more share price uh, moving for Kepler will be the announcement at the end of last month of their proposed acquisition of uh, Elmont Capital, which mm-hmm. is a European real real estate asset ma- manager. So I guess with this acquisition, you know, as Kepler actually expects to uh, significantly grow its uh, fund under management by the addition of, uh, I think, around uh, $24 billion. Uh, dollars. So, uh, and, you know, this has the potential to grow further, you know, the if FUM by around, I think, $16.60 by the end of 2030. So I guess with this news, it's more, uh, you know, specific to, you know, becoming a catalyst to propel, you know, Kepler's stock price. Mm. And in the meantime, let's zoom in on... 
Taxi fares, David. Taking a look at Comfort Delgro mm-hmm. here, it will increase flag down rates, but we are looking at about 50 Singapore cents. And distance and waiting time fares for regular taxis, we're talking about an increase of one Singapore cent from December 13. So, how significant mm-hmm. is this for Comfort Delgro's top and bottom lines then? I guess the uh, flat down increment is good news for comfort um, as long as consumers are willing to pay. Um, this particular fare increase, uh, you know, mainly targets your metered fare, you know, I guess with uh, what I'm saying is that with 10 kilometer non-peak taxi fare to go up by an, an estimate 6.8%. So I think this 48% alone, uh, you know, this increment sounds decent, but uh, we are talking about revising this uh, fare structure to deal with, you know, rising fuel prices, higher inflation and the incoming uh, GST high. Um, from what we have gathered, uh, the cabbies out there, they are definitely facing higher operating costs. Yeah. So net net on the surface, you know, I guess this increment could cover some of these higher costs. We actually did a quick uh, back of the envelope calculation for this and, you know, found that uh, an extra, you know, 3 million or so could be added into a comfort that grows top line. Mm. So this 3 million, I mean, if, if we want to you know, give more context on this, uh, Comfort Down Growth, uh, last year's uh, full year revenue will be around uh, $3.8 billion. Mm. So this uh, extra $3 million works out to a very, very small percentage. And uh, you know, likewise, uh, for bottom line, uh, I think earnings uh, may increase just around $2 million, which is also small when you compare it to last year's net profit yeah. of $773 million. Right. And in the meantime, David, let's talk about Manulife US. Read, I recall that we talked about the company last week as well. Um, but mm-hmm. the new development here is uh, investor watchdog Sias coming in, questioning Manulife US Reads a fundraising proposal of a mix of asset dispositions and a sponsor lender loan. What yeah. are the questions posed in layman terms? How far do you agree with those comments? I think uh, definitely this is a tricky situation that no one uh, will want to be in and must be managed uh, you know, quite delicately. And often in situ- situations like this, um, I think you can't please everybody. Mm. Um, I think in every situation you do, uh, management is bound to be faced with you know, pros and cons. And uh, I would say on this note, kudos to Sias for asking the tough questions that need to be answered you know, in order to protect minority shareholders. Uh, when I look at this uh, fundraising proposal, it's essentially, I think, a way to reduce uh, manual life, uh, high, you know, loan uh, covenant breaches. Um, you know, for example, you know, manual life, they must, they will raise, you know, around USD two hundred eighty-seven million from the divestment of one asset, you know, to its sponsor, and the sponsor, which is manual life, in turn, will provide a six-year unsecured loan at a fixed rate of seven point two five percent per annum, with an exit premium of twenty one point one six percent. I think, yes, uh, I think they really have issues on this exit premium because, you know, if you look at the numbers, the effective interest rate on this loan is uh, around, I would say, ten percent per annum. Mm. And on top of that, you know, um, manual life rate, they also have to draw now 50 USD, 50 mil uh, from the cash holdings in order to meet this uh, 287 million proceeds. So I guess, to be fair, um, in view of the uh, high interest rate environment and uh, manual life rates are uh, high leverage, there are really not a lot of readily available routes the company could embark on to reduce this. Um, bearing in mind that manual life is facing a time pressure and they mm. only have around 19 months yeah. to you know, effect this asset, uh, these positions. And what's compounding this, compounding this is that you know, buyers for the properties that manual life wants to dispose are also facing a bit of difficulties to obtain credit. Mm. For this, um, you know, I'm sure you know, manual life has talked to you know, stronger buyers with ready credit, but the asking prices you know, could be akin to prices you would see almost, I would say, maybe closer to in the fire sales. 
So um, you know, manual life itself, they can't do equity placement because with this beaten down share price, they are going to dilute sponsors and unit holders are not going to be happy uh, about this. So there are really not a lot of options that they can um, pursue. Mm. Um, I would say, you know, the rate has the this rate had considered the gradual disposal of its property to raise cash, but. Mm. With buyers uh, really having limited access to credit, uh, this was not a good option. So at the end of the day, by raising all the questions, uh, I think the aim is really to ensure that you know shareholders go into the EGM and think they'll be in around two days time. They will go into this EGM, you know, fully understand the implications of the three resolutions that they are voting on, and uh, you know these three resolutions are interconditional, meaning that if any of them are not approved, then all three cannot go ahead. Mm. So there's really a lot to be uh, to be to to sum up there. Another thing that is a bit tough to maneuver is uh, the situation about private credit markets. Uh, the Bank of England joined the growing list of policymakers and market participants concerned about that booming 1.6 trillion US dollar private credit market, highlighting that riskier type of corporate borrowing such as uh, private credit leverage lending are particularly vulnerable to sharp revaluations in credit markets, especially with higher interest rates. So how would you read into this? I think uh, when I see the private debt you know, funding, it has really grown quite substantially in recent years. As you know, regulations and assets after the financial crisis, you know, largely pushed your traditional financial institutions out of the business of lending to uh, both commercial and industry companies. Yet, you know, much of the private debt sector, you know, unlike the uh, banking peers, is subject to, I would say, a little less or I would say actually a lot more or less uh, regulatory oversight. So um, there's a real concern of, you know, really how interest, how higher interest rates could make some of these loans more vulnerable. For example, you know, if a company was paying, um, I would say, 7% last year for a private loan, then yeah. that same company would be paying about 11 or 12% today. I think that's a huge increase. And based on our, our own estimates, uh, the size of the private debt market has grew from about just $300 billion in 2010 to mm. about $1.6 trillion last year. Mm. Okay. So definitely, you know, a lot of things, you know, will have to, to be worked out, you know, in terms of the regulate, regulations and, um, and the close monitoring of the underlying fundamentals. Right. Very big numbers that you brought up here. And speaking mm-hmm. of debt and worries, uh, David, I do want to shift our focus to look at the U.S. labor market. It seems like it is softening up from the latest ADP payroll numbers, the private sector numbers that we've got, and also Tuesday's job openings report. While we like to talk about what this means for interest Mm -hmm. rates, what will the softening labour market do for the US economy? You know, could we achieve Mm -hmm. a soft landing? I think, uh, with that being said, there are certainly now talks about global slowing global growth going down after the payroll and the jobs reports. And apart from, you know, the falling stock markets over these few days, uh, you know, the commodities like crude oil futures are also down 4%. Mm. Uh, and this is despite an oil drawdown of, you know, less than expected. So concerns about global growth certainly overshadows this aspect of the oil market. I mean, with a uh, specific uh, focus on the ADP uh, numbers, uh, I think to us, honestly, this is uh, actually a decent soft landing report, you know, mm. with job growth continuing but not contracting and, you know, the wages number cooling slightly. 
So, uh, you know, keeping deeper, if you look at the revised data on productivity and unit labor costs, it has also surprised positively, you know, with the former exceeding expectations and the latter just falling short. You know, this suggests, you know, we are seeing further disinflationary pressures building in the economy. I think, and uh, most importantly, this will enable the Fed to adopt a far less hockey approach. Mm. So, uh, you know, we are likely to see a toning down, you know, of Fed thoughts on maintaining a higher rate for longer situation. And I think, interestingly, according to a writer's poll, on economists, uh, I think majority of them uh, actually uh, sees you know next year July and you know the point at which you know rate cut will be uh, enacted. So this is something to be uh, mindful for now. Right. And um, I mean, in the interim, you know, should U.S. start to slow down, especially on the consumer front, you know, countries with uh, more direct exposure to U.S. consumers will take a hit first. But let's see how the data over the next few months unfold uh, before we reach a firmer conclusion. Right, lots to watch in the near term indeed. Thanks a lot, David. That was David Chow, Director at Azure Capital. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.